Welcome to the Mind Body Medicine Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are so excited that you chose to join us today. I'm Jordan, the Senior Director of Corporate Relations with the YMCA of the Pikes Peak Region. And I am Bethany, the Director of Health Promotion at the Pikes Peak Region YMCA. Well, we know that life has been a little bit upside down, inside out, and sideways for a while now. And part of our jobs, the job that Jordan and I do, is to actually watch what is happening in our culture and to respond in a way that meets people's needs. Upside down. You know, that's my favorite place to be, Bethany. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, so speaking of meeting the needs in the community and the years past in our job, what that has meant is really keeping up with the latest fitness trends and movement trends and well-being trends at large. And now more than ever, it really means that we're speaking to the softer side of well-being. And specifically, we speak to the needs of the community that really lie in the world of managing emotions. So we are all riding this crazy roller coaster of emotion these days. And we want you to know that first of all, it's okay, it's normal, and you are normal. And so today, this is kind of a big one, but we invite you to tackle this emotion of fear. But to get started, Bethany, let's keep it light. And I'm going to pass the torch to you and ask you if you remember any absurd, ridiculous, or silly fears from your childhood. I, I just get one. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, you know what? For the sake of time, um, if anyone wants to talk to you further after to learn about how absurd we actually are, yes. <laughs> you may have more later. Oh, my goodness. But for now, pick one. Okay, just one. All right. Well, I definitely had the normal fears that kids have. You know, the monster in the closet, tornadoes, the basement is horrifically dark and scary. But I did have this one absolutely crazy, irrational fear that, weirdly enough, it still shows up in my dreams sometimes. But when I was a kid, I watched some crazy movie, and it was about an airplane ripping apart mid-flight. It was some flight between Hawaiian islands, and in the middle of this, like a little sardine can, the top of it just peeled back. Why I was allowed to watch this movie, I don't know, <laughs> but... In the middle of this movie, and this, like, the airplane coming apart, one of the passengers on the plane, he ends up with this giant piece of metal mashed into the side of his head. Mm. And, yeah, it was gross. Um, and for ages, I had this fear that this guy <laughs> <laughs> lived underneath my bed. I don't know why he lived underneath my bed, but he did. <laughs> and every night I had to lay in this very specific position, you know, legs in a certain spot, arms in a certain spot, or else this guy was going to stab me. Now, why he was going to stab me, I don't know. Probably because he had a piece of metal mashed in his head and he was stuck underneath my bed. But I chalk it all up to this crazy wild imagination that I have. And please do laugh because it is legit funny. <laughs> and that's just how it is. So um, I completely confessed my crazy absurd fear. Do you have some crazy absurd wild 
childhood fear? I totally do. And let me um, just reflect um, that beautiful coping mechanism that you had of lying completely still and (laughs) behaviorally not moving and assuming a very specific position in order to uh, avert crisis um, upon upon attack. (laughs) Yes. I was the guy who I thought was living under my bed. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, you know, um, similarly to you, I... uh, after watching Jaws, I was afraid to swim in the deep end of our swimming pool. <laughs> so that's a that's a super light one, but I'm actually going to take maybe a little opportunity to to change it around just a little bit. I have mentioned a million times here that um, I was a gymnast growing up, and as a youth athlete, I had so many opportunities, really daily, to work with fear and. I had a healthy fear of the balance beam. It's four inches wide and one misstep could earn you something like a broken neck. (laughs) So uh, the way that I learned to work with fear as a kid really was brace for impact. And hopefully that impact will be anatomically aligned and all forces will be received (laughs) appropriately within the body. (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, quite often sports is referred to as a microcosm of life And it really does offer young people a unique context to develop, not just the physical skills of racing for impact or doing tricks and flips and things, but also social and emotional skills. And fear really is a great example of how sports can be understood as a microcosm of life. So when the stakes are really dangerous skill or maybe it's a it's a team national title on the line athletes really do need to learn how to manage their physical energy their nerves and their thoughts in a way to perform at peak capacity so um that was more of an accurate representation of my um my daily experiences with fear but again they can be as absurd or as high stakes as um as as really physical safety and so on that note bethany can you i know that you want to get nerdy here because <laughs> yeah that's one of the reasons why I love you so much, <laughs> just one of them. Would you share what you've learned with us so far about fear and its effect on the physical body? So before I totally put my glasses on and nerd out and my pocket protector <laughs> on, can I just say, I have to laugh because my absurd childhood fear came from a movie. Yours came from a movie. <laughs> and I will straight up tell you, I will still, and all my fellow Gen Xers out there, I will still not watch E.T. to this day. Are you kidding E.T.? Me? What? E.T.? Oh, that, oh, the, yes. <laughs> that part where there's like this long tunnel, you know, white tunnel and the people in their little hazmat suits are rolling through there. <laughs> nope. Nope. But, oh, <laughs> oh, man, I love E.T. Oh, no. Just, oh, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've been <Okay>. traumatically impacted <laughs> by that movie. Well, and so how interesting that like this one trigger, a movie for you versus a movie for me, like what I remember emotionally from this thing is like, oh, E.T. phone home and the little finger light on the finger. And you remember this traumatic hazmat situation (laughs) where you are now avoiding any of the words E and T put together. Nope. Never happened again. Uh, Interesting. Oh, Mm. anywho. 
back to getting super nerdy. Um, <laughs> I was reading this really great journal article entitled The Physiology of Fear. And I will put a link to it in the episode description box. And up front, too, it is it gets super deep, super fast. So, wow. But <laughs> um, the author's really took time to define fear this way. Fear can be defined as the neurophysiological processes that prepare an organism to perform innate or learned responses to cope with danger. So let's put that into words that all of us can understand. (laughs) So in other words, a pile of processes happen within your body, my body, all of our bodies to prepare it for whatever is coming. Originally, we needed to run from big wild beasts and things of that nature for survival. We don't have to run from them so much anymore. But what happens is fear starts in your brain, in this little piece of your brain called the amygdala. There's your vocab word for the day, amygdala. And from that point, your body does all sorts of things. Your pupils dilate, your breathing accelerates, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure rises, and your digestion slows down. And that's just the 30,000 foot view. Um, That's just to start about all the different things that your body does. Mm, I love this human being and all of these human beings. The body is absolutely miraculous. Thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, all of those things actually happen because as you mentioned, um, while we might not be running from big wild beasts, (laughs) fear really is hardwired into our beings. And at its core, fear has helped us stay alive when our very existence was threatened. And as you also mentioned, we're not running from these beasts anymore, but we do still have these more existential fears that maybe can't be named. They can't be seen. And those still have an effect on our vocabulary word of being the amygdala, (laughs) the, the, the brain's alarm system. And specifically today, this existential threat might happen to be called COVID for some people and all of its all of its different variations that make sense for each of us that word has come to mean a lot of different things uh depending on who we are what our responsibilities and roles are but in the end of the day the stress the fear that has um been expressed in the light of COVID has become prolonged and a chronic experience so all of these hormones, all of this, what you mentioned, heart rate increasing, breathing goes up, blood pressure going up, digestion slowing down. These things are happening on a chronic basis. And if we don't have the opportunity to burn off the hormones that are produced in the body as a function of this really physical, um, it's, it's our stress response, then those pool up and that can be incredibly problematic for our, um, for our long-term health. So Bethany, I know that we've, we're kind of tying this into mind body medicine. Is there any, um, kind of summary that you want to put on how fear relates to mind body medicine? Oh, awesome. Awesome question. Yes. (laughs) Short answer. Yes. (laughs) Longer answer to 
reflect a little bit on what Jordan said and tie it up a little bit. Fear was meant to be this very acute, short-lived response. Its job was to get us out of that imminent danger. The problem is now for all of us, we are living in it perpetually, whether that is fear of COVID or fear with kids going back to school or you know, even just think about what, what your current anxiety stressor is. And your amygdala is now is it is now always turned on and you've got this crazy stuff going on in your head, but because the amygdala is turned on and it's turned on all those body processes, mind, body, here we're stuck with all of these systems in hyper mode. I mean, it is just hyperdrive all the time and your body does start physically to break down um, in a variety of ways. Oftentimes it's very unique to the person as how that's going to manifest in them. So the question is then, how do we get the mind to calm down so that those processes that were meant to be short-lived and are now working overtime, how can we shut that off so that we don't cause long-term physical damage to our body? So, Jordan, you're super great with all of the mind <laughs> stuff. Do you have some advice, some guidance on how we can get that mind to calm down? Well, thank you for the compliment. But, uh, you know, I navigate my own mind and other minds just uh, <laughs> just together through um, – just with the same navigational processes that everyone has. And really we need to run interference, Bethany. So I do not when... do football. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's okay. Because what I mean by interference is not necessarily football, but you know, the amygdala is part of this larger system called the limbic system. And it's very much so tied into our emotions and fear being an emotion tends to, disconnect the part of your brain that makes decisions. And that part of your brain is the prefrontal cortex. So when the alarm system goes off or when the amygdala goes off, it kind of short circuits that decision maker process, the prefrontal cortex. And when we're not thinking clearly, whatever behaviors, whatever reactive behaviors we've unconsciously wired into our daily living, those are the things that are going to come out. So if we have unhealthy or maladaptive coping responses to fear, then that is exactly what is going to happen over and over and over again, unless we have some different practices to choose from. And that really does take practice. It takes practice in stopping and becoming aware of what is ex being experienced in the moment. So, you know, running interference really means stop, just stop. Maybe that's physically stop. And, you know, a mindfulness practice. I know that I, I, I really drive this home in, in every conversation that we have here publicly and, and, and professionally, um, but really, mindfulness is a practice of stopping, becoming aware of what's actually happening in your body, 
you mentioned before, your heart rate increases, your breath rate increases. Are you noticing those things in moments of fear and specifically reactive fear? What is happening in your body? Really bring attention to that. And, you know, there's ways to do this skillfully and unskillfully. So we want to make sure that as we navigate through our reactive experience to fear, anxiety, stress, whatever, whatever the challenging emotion might be, again, it can take different flavors for different people, but how you place your attention can either make symptoms better or worse. So we do want to be careful and be kind with our practice here. First thing is to stop. Notice what's actually happening in your body that brings you into the present moment. So that brings you away from the alarm system, the amygdala ringing the prefrontal cortex decision maker and brings you in this present moment. That is the interference. So with that, then we have a choice. We can either investigate what is happening in the mind. What are you thinking? What are the thoughts we all know? (laughs) You mentioned earlier, you gave a great example of the kids going back to school. You know, when you're in the rumination station, (laughs) you you keep replaying the things over and over and over and over again. And this is ineffective ways of managing your attention. Rather, in those moments, we really benefit from recognizing that tape that's being played, the rumination station that's being played over and over and over again. And once again, the invitation is to run interference and stop, bring attention back to breathing, bring attention back to the physical body. And then finally, um, what are we going to do with all of this energy? We might notice that like there's, there's a heightened amount of, of energy in the body at this point. All the things that you mentioned in the stress response, the breathing rate is increased and et cetera. Heart rate is increased. Blood pressure increases. I have found and many clients have found that going for a walk, doing some sort of physical activity is a really useful physical process to kind of choose something different to do, not at the expense of ignoring what is actually going on in the body and acknowledging the fears that you might have, but as, as an effective coping mechanism, as is engaging in some social support. So, um, that is, those are my thoughts on how to get the mind quote unquote under control to calm the body down. But, um, I, one more thing is kind of coming to my mind at the moment. And, <laughs> and that is like, you, you know, get the mind under control to calm the body down. We've talked a lot about this interaction between the mind and the body, and it really is a circuit. And so, There's no right place to start. There's no right thing to get under control. The wonderful thing about emotions is that they're going to happen regardless of whether we're in control or out of control of them. It's really how we react and how we respond to them with mindful awareness and kindness towards ourselves and others that makes all the difference. And uh, the body is an impeccable place to turn to for diagnostics and prescription. Okay. Passing the mic back to you, B. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And my mind, like, you know, it goes crazy places, but when you said that the first step we need to take is to stop Mm -hmm. and notice what we're 
what's going on around us. All that popped into my head was stop hammer time. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) you know, honestly, so we're doing, we're doing a webinar here coming up on fear and coping and some of the stuff that I've been researching around coping humor really is an excellent coping mechanism. And I have to say that you do a great job of incorporating humor into my life. So, so thank you because this is an excellent coping mechanism. And, um, it's certainly helped me through these times of, of COVID for myself. And I'm sure others that you impact in your life as well, Miss Bethany. Oh, shucks. (laughs) Well, do you have any last thoughts before we sign off on the topic of fear? Well, I guess just to summarize everything here is really bring your mind and your body and your emotions into one place and do something productive, whether that is stopping, sitting and being still and paying attention to what's actually happening or go for a run or grab your boxing gloves (laughs) or grab a yoga mat. All of these are great ways to really stop and redirect all of this physical energy that you've got Mm -hmm. at the moment. Or maybe, maybe it's actually lower energy. Maybe you're feeling depleted and lethargic, which is also very, 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 um, Um, uh, that is a very prevalent at this time too, because our bodies are in such a heightened state of physiological reactivity, we're exhausted, wired and tired at the end of the day. So doing something to find balance, bringing your mind and your body and emotions all together in one place to first see what's going on and then prescribe for yourself some, some kind movement or kind stillness is a a great way to move forward. I'm going to shut up. But um, do you have anything else to add to oh, our time today? I I do, but I fear that what I want to add is going to open up just <laughs> a massive box conversation. So we'll save it for we'll save that oh. conversation. But I'll give you a little peekaboo of what's in my brains. Um, I was just thinking about okay, so this whole concept of wired and tired oh. um, in our society, so many people then turn to caffeine Uh because of that wired and tired. And it just, the process that your body goes through, it's already in this fight or flight fear mode. Things are already running at hyperspeed. And now you add caffeine on the top of it, your adrenal glands burn out. Like it's just this vicious, vicious cycle that maybe we'll take a little peek into nutrition and fear and what that all looks like. Awesome. Well, oh my God, hold on. You <laughs> did. <laughs> Sorry, I told you. You did. Okay. And then so just like there's your AM to afternoon drink of choice, which, you know, people were making jokes in the beginning of COVID about, you know, first I start off with caffeine, then somewhere midway throughout the day, I turn it over to wine. And like what that actually does to your sleep wake cycle. That's another thing that that's another webinar that we've got coming up here is, you know, the effects of sleep on mental health. So you're caffeinating for the first half of day of the day, you're whining um drinking wine or drinking out al- let me call it alcohol you're drinking alcohol for the rest of the day because you think it's going to calm your nerves down but what yeah. that actually does is create a fight or flight response in the middle of your sleep wait in the middle of your sleep yeah. cycle so and then you have to start up you know the whole next day again and throw the caffeine into the system and then wind down with wine or alcohol and so on so cheers to pandora's box um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> 
I love it. Um, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's let's close the lid here and meet everyone on the flip side. We can't wait to see you. We can't wait to talk with you again. And until next time, please, um, we we wish you a place of peace, calm, and engaged excitement all at the same time.